Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Awesome to have you back. You're joined by Simon Alicia, as always, and I'm two very special guests. I'll introduce them now. The first is Todd Valand, who's a Principal Business Development Manager for Global Platforms, IoT. Welcome, Todd. Hello, everyone. And the second guest is uh, Ian's, is Ian, I should say, uh, Perez Ponce, who is a Senior Business Development Manager for Global Platform Storage. Welcome, Ian. Howdy, folks. Now that I've massacred both your names, um, we're going to be talking about edge compute from, from two kind of complementary aspects. But before we even do that, maybe let's define our terms. What is edge computing? Um, Todd, perhaps do you want to kick off with a, with a, a version of that for us? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks, Simon. So, yeah, we get this this question a lot from our customers and and in kind of the definition of edge, you know, varies a bit by degree, you know, depending on the perspective of the customer. But for, you know, today's conversation, we're going to refer to, you know, anything that's happening, you know, outside of the physical data center or outside of the domain of the uh, kind of AWS network. So really the, the, the physical, you know, things that are out in the world and, and uh, growing in, in use cases. Now, now, this ties into, I guess, an interesting mental model that we need to shape, which is that you know, a lot of us have been used to kind of bringing things to the cloud, closing down data centres, um, clearly a lot of sort of centralisation, ubiquitous access type thing. But there are use cases where you want things remotely, but they're not, it's not kind of, uh, let's just dump a server out in a, uh, in a mine site somewhere. That's, that's not what we're talking about here, is it? We're talking about a far more intelligent uh, new version of edge computing. So maybe let's talk about what that what that looks like in terms of some of the use cases we have. Yeah, sure. So the there's three primary drivers for from a customer perspective of of uh, you know wanting um, you know compute and storage you know local to where think where the action is so to speak, and those are reasons of you know of physics. The the first reason is you know the speed of light issue and that. Um, you may have a, a use case, maybe a connected vehicle or a drone or a manufacturing line that needs to respond to, you know, inputs on, on a very rapid fashion where, you know, time is, is of the essence and maybe taking that, that round trip time, you know, to the cloud or somewhere else uh, just doesn't make sense for the use case. So that's, we call that kind of the first driver there is, is one of, you know, physics or speed of light. Um, the second key driver is one uh, typically of cost. So in, in cases where, for example, you might have an oil rig, you know, out in the middle of an ocean and, and its only connectivity is over a satellite link or, or even, you know, a connected vehicle across, a, you know, an LTE or a, a 2G or 3G connection, that might be cost, those bytes, you know, sending them across uh, that transit might you know, cost money per packet. So the second one is a driver is cost. And then the third key driver is, is one of, of kind of compliance or regulation. Uh, in the setting or the use case of maybe a, an example of a hospital, uh, they, the hospital, you know, had, of course, uh, compute requirements, uh, you know, large, you know, these large scanners or MRIs produce, you know, terabytes of, of data, you know, per you know, healthcare episode. So, you know, sending that person that um, protected health information, you know, somewhere else 
uh, may have uh, compliance uh, implications, or there just may be a, a locality that has uh, just rules about personally identifiable information, and uh, and you want to keep that that local and make decisions locally on on what transits uh, to the cloud. So these are the three kind of high level drivers as to um, what we typically are seeing customers uh, using um, what we're defining today as edge computing uh, to help uh, them kind of shape their their decision framework. For sure, for sure. And I think that that rapid decision making and that ability to not just receive data, but process and take action on the data in that locale uh, makes a lot of sense in, in certain use cases, particularly obviously manufacturing is a big one. We're seeing it a lot on mine sites, etc. But to do this, we sort of don't want to recreate the past and just kind of do what we've always done. We're trying to make things better. And there's a service called AWS Greengrass that really focuses on this. So maybe, Todd, let's start with what AWS Greengrass is and does, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so so Greengrass, think of Greengrass as taking um, a portion of the AWS cloud and bringing it out to this um, edge device. And it um, it has um, aspects, a few aspects of it. it what one big one is um, the ability to run Lambda functions. So um, AWS, you know, helped pioneer um, this this idea of of um, you know serverless and and with, through a Lambda functions. Well. Uh, Greengrass provides um, embedded developers and cloud developers the ability to write code in the cloud as Lambda functions and push it down for local execution on the Greengrass core. And then also um, Greengrass provides secure connectivity uh, um, with the Greengrass core and, and devices that might be connected to it and, and back to the cloud itself, so secure communications. And so, and then the the basically the tooling to to manage all that um, and and update Lambda functions, push them down, and manage that Greengrass core uh, on behalf of the solution. So it really is very exciting, I think, for developers and for builders to say that they can build Lambda functions like they normally would if you're, if you're building quote unquote normal Lambda. It's funny we talk about that now. Um, for a use case that is that is remote. So they're using the same mental models, the same programming languages, the same approach that they might take for in the cloud processing for essentially these remote devices and uh, connected groups of remote devices as well. So it means that we can push the intelligence out to the edge where it makes sense. Uh, and I think one of the important things to talk about is that, that AWS Greengrass is a, is a software-based solution. So maybe... Um, Talk about how it runs. Like, like, where is it going to be running? Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's a good question. So the um, yeah, so as you mentioned, um, Greengrass is a is a runtime. So you um, you it's a downloadable that you can run on uh, an ARM or x86 uh, device that can be as small as as a Raspberry Pi or as big as a you know. A, you know, many dozens of core, you know, Xeon servers. So it, you can use as much or as little, you know, processing uh, capacity as you need. And then there's just a few uh, requirements. Uh, needs 128 uh, megabytes of RAM and one gigahertz uh, processor and um, runs on Linux with a, a 4.x um, kernel with a few um, parameters enabled, but beyond that, it's it's as little or as much um, as as the use case warrants, and uh, and, it, and like like I said, it's it's a software runtime. 
And it's it's, a, it's great because it's easier to deploy. It also takes care of, you know, the, the classic undifferentiated heavy lifting because basically what you're able to do is have, you know, the, the familiar AWS IT device shadow construct in your local area there. Um, there's local messaging, so it enables you to have communication and messaging between the devices on that local network as well. Um, and there are a number of partners also who are deploying this natively as well, so you, you sort of ship with it already on there, which is pretty nice as well. So it's all that those fundamentals that are often really fiddly. And certainly in my experience, you know, in the IT world, things tend to be exceptionally fiddly at the moment. Um, it takes care of those for you. Now, we talked a bit about sort of storage use cases and, and that type of situation. And, and Ian, um, that's a subject near and dear to your heart because you look after a lot of the, the snowball uh, an edge uh, componentry that we have. Maybe talk to us about what customers are doing with large volumes of data locally as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so originally, you know, we started the Snowball service with uh, a, a primary focus on ingest uh, ingest of data at scale into the platform, uh, and later uh, started catering to these edge computing use cases where uh, customers are still focused on highly decentralized data sets that they're having to go through similar acquisition exercises uh, for, but also processing that data or doing something with that data as, as they're collecting it at the edge. And that's really where Snowball Edge, uh, as, as one of the variants that we introduced last year, comes into the picture. Um, Snowball Edge effectively you know, uh, is a, a green grass core capable device, so you can configure it to run uh, green grass with the Lambda functions of your choosing. Um, in addition to that, it provides that native S3 endpoint so you can still collect data at the edge, process it, and obviously send that data back um, back to AWS for um, either applic application of AI, ML type of, of models uh, or, or simply for archival, right? We see a lot of those, those use cases across uh, some of the verticals that um, that Todd mentioned, whether it's the healthcare space, uh, oil or energy uh, mining, for instance, um, and, and even some of the, the, the more uh, typical examples that I think the industry refers to in the autonomous vehicle space or drone, uh, drone technology space. It's pretty, pretty. It's a pretty impressive device, and I mean, this is a device uh, for those who aren't, aren't familiar. It has a uh, hundred terabytes of uh, of onboard storage. It also has some some pretty decent compute capacity as well. But it's also quite um, robust. In fact, I think I watched a video the other day showing uh, the team torture testing a Snowball Edge. Mm -hmm. um, so, can put up a little bit, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, we, we certainly put it through its paces as far as, um, you know, some of the, the rigorous testing that we do from, from a, you know, from a ruggedized, uh, making sure it's a, a ruggedized platform. Again, when you're looking at some of the deployment use cases, um, you know, they're not necessarily being deployed within uh, a nice uh, climate controlled uh, data center environment. Uh, they're, they're in pretty harsh uh, conditions and, and certainly, you know, we, we cater kind of to the full spectrum. But yeah, I, I guess just to go um, over some of the, the basic speeds and feeds. So you're right, you know, 100 terabytes of, of storage capacity, raw is what we provide with, with one single Snowball Edge appliance. Uh, of course, the, there is um, uh, the added value of being able to cluster these devices together. So in, in cases where uh, additional storage or and or compute capacity is needed. You can certainly cluster, you know, five, ten, uh, kind of choose choose the number of, of devices that you want, and you create one logical unit uh, for for pooled storage as well as pooled compute. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful deployment model and quite flexible. I certainly like the fact that we've used the same S3 semantics for storage so that, again, your skills of development become very portable. What you do in the cloud can also work at the edge as well, which is, which is really powerful as well. How do people get hold of a, a Snowball Edge? Like, what do they have to do to get one? It's pretty uh, straightforward, uh, similar to all other services. They're they're um, orderable through the console, so there's there's no special you know permissions or, or requests that you have to go through. Uh, once you go to the uh, the console, you simply navigate to the Snowball uh, management uh, console, and you can request a specific. Um, job type and the job types is really what will dictate uh, which appliance uh, you will have uh, access to so if you're doing an import job let's say uh, you'll be given access either to a regular snowball which is comes in 50 or 80 terabyte uh, storage densities uh, and then snowball edge which again is 100 terabyte uh, as you go through that ordering uh, workflow you actually have the ability to specify whether you want compute capabilities uh, in which case you're you're uniquely provisioning a snowball edge and at, and at that time you are uh, deploying creating and deploying lambda functions to the device um, by virtue of doing that uh, you're effectively triggering a provisioning sequence on our end to run Greengrass or load Greengrass core onto the device. So once once that's done behind the scenes and you take delivery of a snowball edge, um, you know, it's it's entirely up to uh, the user to to either uh, add additional Lambda functions or edit the Lambda functions just like they would if they were uh, dealing with, you know, regular Lambda in AWS. Uh, the simple matter is that uh, those those functions are getting updated on the Snowball Edge appliance, provided there's you know some kind of uh, internet connectivity back back to the cloud, whether it's intermittent or constant, doesn't really matter. But that's that's kind of the uh, the one key uh, essential <laughs> in terms of updating Lambda functions from from the cloud to the to the edge. You've got to be able to talk to it from time to time. And, and just for a reference point for those of you listening, um, the compute amount is is uh, the equivalent of an EC2 M4 4X large instance. So not too shabby in terms of uh, processing uh, capability. And that video, the torture test video I mentioned, is also available on the, uh, the Snowball Edge page on our website. Now, Todd, um, Greengrass has been around for a little while and there's always plenty of innovation happening. What are some of the things that uh, our listeners can be looking out for that is maybe a little new in the Greengrass platform? Yeah, so from a, from a new features capability perspective, a couple things our, our customers have been asking for and we're really um, happy to have uh, recently provided. One is uh, called local resource access. And so um, local resource access, think of it as um, anything that's it's available you know, to a Linux um, application as a slash dev uh, is available now to a Lambda function through the, the local resource access um, capability. So um, accessing you know, um, a local GPU uh, that's, that's maybe on the device or or wireless or uh, functionality or, or maybe some, you know, access to some ports, um, super powerful. And then also the, I just want to kind of, uh, among many is calling out our new uh, machine learning at the edge um, capability. So um, not enough time to go into it in great detail. I would encourage folks to to go to, to go to the AWS website and and look for the the, the ML at the edge um, functionality for Greengrass. But effectively think about it in terms of in the same way that you can develop a 
Lambda function um, in the cloud and then push that down to your, your Greengrass um, core. Uh, you can develop machine learning models um, in the cloud with uh, access to all the, the powerful um, training capabilities that are available in the AWS cloud. It's, it's not, what I'm talking about, it's not um, specific to any um, training platform, but then you can, uh, in the same way you can push Lambda functions down to your Greengrass core, you can push um, machine learning models down to your Greengrass. And so that that means then is, is that you can make uh, local inferences um, on those machine learning models, uh, take action against them uh, with your Lambda functions, uh, choose to maybe um, upload uh, to only a portion of that, that data um, into the cloud in, in you know, near real time, uh, store all your raw data uh, to your Snowball Edge device. And then, um, and then we see this um, occurring in, in an example is, uh, um, there's there's companies that map you know highway systems and they may you know put these uh, snowball edge devices in a in a large truck that has multiple lidar uh, sensors and they might produce um, you know terabytes of data you know per hour of operation and they can map whole highway systems and then uh, use all these this functionality uh, together for to create some really unique uh, um, outcomes. It's it's a pretty exciting. Those those new capabilities mean that really you can interface with way more things than ever before, and you know, more things is usually better when we're talking about sensors and actuators and other cool things. And then the machine learning component means we can have far more intelligent componentry and far more intelligent and quick decision making taking place at the edge. So it really applies very strongly in agriculture, in manufacturing, in health. Uh, in many of those use cases that have quite a degree of industrialization and technical sophistication. So it's pretty exciting. Todd, how how can people get started with Greengrass? It's kind of a different model, a bit of a mental model shift. Um, do we have an easy way for them to get going? Yeah, so we've created a, a bit.ly. So if you just go to bit.ly, bit.ly um, forward slash learn GG, um, all lowercase, uh, that'll drop uh, folks directly into uh, the uh, setting up their own Greengrass core um, on a Raspberry Pi tutorial. Fantastic. And I'll put that link in the show notes as well so that you can get going. And uh, I've, I've kitted out a number of members of my team with Raspberry Pis because it's a great easy way, very low cost way to get going and just test out some of this capability. And the nice thing is it's totally portable to, as you mentioned, more sophisticated hardware and other components. So it's kind of, uh, it's it really is that that common platform that can work for a number of different use cases, which is pretty exciting. And so um, before we wrap up, uh, I'm going to ask each of you, Todd and Ian, I'll start with Ian. What would you recommend to customers if they're thinking about edge computing? What's what's the main uh, mental model shift or, or key uh, uh, shortcut you'd give them uh, before they start their journey? Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, probably the first and foremost, you know, start with the workload and what you want your desired end state to be for, for that workload that is to persist or live at the edge and work backwards from there in terms of figuring out. A lot of times, you know, the, the, the 
the existing workloads that are either already running at the edge, uh, as we may well know, are not necessarily um, uh, coded in Lambda, so they may be running in kind of a, a more you know tradition traditional application uh, architecture. And so, trying to figure out you know how to format that in a way that uh, takes advantage of of some of the serverless um, um, benefits that Todd went over, uh, and and as far as Snowball Edge is concerned, taking taking advantage of kind of that form factor. Um, I think it starts with really just focusing on that piece and, and really trying to figure out, you know, how do you want to retrofit things and, and, and modify the application stack so that it, it uh, again, delivers the most value in, in this highly decentralized, uh, you know, topology environment that that uh, is exemplary, I guess, in, in the edge computing space. Um, For sure. For second, sure. And yes. And 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 Todd, um, for, from your perspective, what what have you seen working really well for customers? What are, what is, what's the tip you would give? Yeah, the, the tip I would give is, is to do two things simultaneously. Um, first is be tactical, and that is just doubt. You know, just go get started. Uh, go to the go to the getting started guide. Go to the tutorial and, and go through it, and and just you know start get your your fingers dirty, clickety clack, and and I think you know that kind of um, helps kind of expand the mind um, while simultaneously thinking strategically because um, this this is a, a really a, a unique capability that that opens up all kinds of interesting uh, commercial possibilities new new types of relationships with existing customers uh, new types of products or services so i would i would just encourage folks to think tactically and strategically at the same time that's yeah, good advice it really is one of those situations where you need to understand the capability before you understand the the application and it's nice and easy to get into so um that's been fantastic and ian thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast thank you simon appreciate you having us and todd thank you for taking the time as well yeah thank you and thanks everyone for listening as ever we do love to get your feedback at podcast at amazon.com and until next time keep on building